What if there was a software that could take the guesswork out of finding a career or an employee? And what if that software could not only analyze technical skills, but also those that might lead to a leadership position down the road? That would be great news for the hiring managers and everyday Americans who struggle with and feel anxious about the complexities of completing a job search. Lucky for them then, that Eightfold.ai is working to make those worries a thing of the past through artificial intelligence. What we are doing is we are using the latest advances in deep learning and machine learning to really understand not what people have done, but what they are potentially capable of doing next. What is their learnability for a certain skill? So for example, if you know statistics and signal processing, you can learn machine learning very, very quickly. If you are good in programming Java and C++, you can learn Python quickly. So really trying to understand the learnability of each individual and using that to assess and understand who can be a great fit for which role in what enterprise, in which function. With more than 100 customers, including AT&T, Cisco, and Liberty Mutual, Eightfold.ai is using the power of data to solve the complexities that come with hiring thousands of employees. On this episode, Ashtush Garg, who you just heard from, discusses how AI can be used to identify which candidates are an ideal fit for an organization. And he gives an inside look at their process and the variables they look at to identify that perfect next candidate. Enjoy this episode. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by Salesforce Platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Innovate fast, empower every employee, and scale with confidence from anywhere with a customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform. Welcome everyone to another episode of IT Visionaries. Today we have with us the CEO and co-founder of Eightfold AI, Ashutosh Gard. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Very excited to be here today. All right, let's dive right into it. We always start off where I always start off every interview wanting to know exactly what is your company and what does it do? Can you tell for our audience what is Eightfold.ai? Absolutely. So we started the company Eightfold.ai four years back with the mission of enabling the right career for everyone in the world. So today at Eightfold, we have built a talent intelligence platform that is being used by leading enterprises across the globe to hire, grow, retain a diverse workforce. So one of the things that Eightfold has is just, just so people can get a size and scope of your, this company, how many customers do you currently have? We have around 100 customers. And they're not just any customers. They're some of the biggest enterprises or tech companies in the world. Absolutely. So we have customers across the globe, a number of Fortune 100 companies, numerous Fortune 500 companies. We have customers in 25 countries with users in 110 countries using us across 15 plus languages. All right. So let's dive into it because one of the things we always want to find out is what is it technologically on the back end that makes this product so successful, so popular among your target customer base? You mentioned before that this helps people you know, find talent. It helps people identify talent where it's best suited. How does Eightfold do that? Yeah. And I think for that, it might be valuable to go a little bit it back to my own history Yeah, is I got my PhD in machine learning and AI back in the days. And in that process was able to see how effective 
these algorithms can be, what all you can do with data. Second is when I was at Google, I was fortunate to be there in the early days and saw the great, great growth company was going through and how important talent was for the company. Now, as I started thinking about this, that how can we help every enterprise in the world having the right talent so that they are successful? What we realized is that ultimately it is a data problem. Today, when we think about our own career, when we are giving career guidance to other folks, we are relying on a sample set of few data points that we have encountered in our career. But with globalization, with changing workforce dynamics, this problem is getting harder than ever. So at Eightfold, what we are doing is we are using the latest advances in deep learning and machine learning to really understand not what people have done, but what they are potentially capable of doing next. What is their learnability for a certain skill? So for example, if you know statistics and signal processing, you can learn machine learning very, very quickly. If you are good in programming Java and C++, you can learn Python quickly. So really trying to understand the learnability of each individual and using that to assess and understand who can be a great fit for which role in what enterprise, in which function. So the platform, is it learning and predicting data sets based on programming and tech languages? Does it do soft skills too? Like, does it predict you'll be a good manager? You'll be a good sales rep? You'll be a good, you know, some other position? Does it evaluate those skills as well? Or is it mostly like the technical skills where you can program a language, you're writing code in a couple languages, and therefore the platform, your tool can predict, hey, this newer language or the next language, you're going to be pretty good at it too if we give you some training. What data sets is it evaluating? Actually, that is a very, very, very good question because the first instinct always is that, is it only relevant for hard skills? Yeah. And is it only relevant for tech skills? But if you really think about it, right, the biggest challenges or ambiguity comes around soft skills. And that is where you, data can help you even more. So today our platform is used across every function, every role, every skill. So we are doing it for soft skills, hard skills, and everything in between. So what inputs are you reading that help you evaluate soft skills better than... Because in the past, it would all be judgment-based, right? If I were to see, let's say, because I ran sales team before, so I have, let's say, 10 sales reps or 100 sales reps, doesn't matter. Yep. But I'm just kind of with my gut guessing, well, they, you know, they close quota a lot. I think they can motivate people. People seem to like them. It really is a judgment call. And then I say, okay, this, person's a, this person might be a sales manager. What is it that you're looking at at Eightfold that makes that decision process maybe easier, more clear, or just approach it differently? So for example, right, if you have traveled a lot in your career, growing up, you may have gone for these exchange programs. You may have participated in team sports. You might have given some speeches. All these things tell us how good you are in communication, how good you are in team building, how good you are in motivating other people, how good you could be in a sales side, and so on. So we are not looking at just one thing. We are looking at individuals' holistic past, everything that they have done till date. And what we say is that everything is today leaving a digital trail. It is giving us signals. Have you participated in analytical sports like chess or team sports like basketball and 
football and other ones, right? Each of these things are telling us about your personality, right? And how that can impact your soft skills. So we are learning from all that stuff. So this is amazing because the data set you're working with is very long tail. And let me explain what I'm getting at. In marketing, if I produce, let's say, two pieces of ad copy and one converts better, then I have a very short tail result where I can run an ad in a day and know maybe in just a day or two, depending on how many visitors I get on a website, which one's converting better. I now know that this ad copy works a little bit better. That's a very short tail experiment where I can test two variables and instantly know a result. But soft skills or hard skills over the period of a person's career is a very long tail experiment where the outcomes of who you are going to be or who you're going to become don't happen overnight. There's, very, there's, a, there's a lot of development history over time that does that. So when you went to start building the data pools and the algorithm that's going to evaluate this, how did you do it? I'm assuming you looked backwards in time where you said, who are the most successful people? What is common among their history? But that's just an assumption I'm making. How did you guys start doing that? You're absolutely right that it's a long tail problem in that sense. You have to go really in the past to understand what someone has done right and look at everything. So very first thing we are doing today is analyzing the data of more than 1 billion people across the globe. <laughs> 1 billion with a B, billion. Yes. Okay, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Second thing is we are, we call we are a data hungry company. So we are trying to collect as much data as we can. And one example of this is actually very interesting that if you're a company of 10,000 employees, over the last few years, you have probably interviewed, screened, reached out to, or searched more than a million people. Typically for a role, you will end up reaching out to 100 people, right? Simple math. Yeah, that's a 1% higher rate, 10,000 off of uh, the 1 million. Yeah. Yeah. Which is very certain industry, right? Now the entire working population of Bay Area is less than 2 million. So every large enterprise is sitting on volumes of data about people, right? Outcomes. But today they are not doing anything with that data. And that was an insight that we realized at Eightfold, that can we start making sense out of this data? And that is also one of the key reasons why we started with large enterprises before working with the small enterprises. Yeah. Because they have a lot more data to learn from and apply to this problem. So... I'm just trying to fathom how you get started in, in this solution because when you look at an enterprise, the first thing is, do you automatically default and assume all senior level people are more talented or better at their positions than entry level? Like I'm trying to think of how do you know who's good? You know what I mean? Because in any given organization, if you were to stack rank, let's say developers, there's going to be someone better than someone else. That's a fact. Right. And then if you were to stack rank skills in any like sales, there's going to be someone better than others. If, if we were doing soft skills like graphic design, there's someone better than someone in the else in the organization. So how did you know what the signals were? There's so many. Like, how did you start identifying the signals? Very again. Yeah. I mean, you have a lot of interesting insights uh, because on day one, that was our thinking as well. But very quickly, what we realized is that it is not about who's better or worse. Okay. It is about who's the most relevant person or who's the right fit for the role. Like you gave an example of a senior person versus a junior person, right? Yeah. In most tech companies, the VP engineering 
does not know how to code. So it's not that a VP engineering is a better software engineer or that software engineer is a much worse in management or not, right? The point is who's the right fit for that software engineering role and who is the right fit for that engineering management role? Who is the right fit for support engineering role? Who is the right fit for selling large enterprise deals versus who is the right fit for high volume mid market sales cycle? Who is the good, great, great fit for demand gen versus brand marketing, right? And I think that was a key insight that we have had is that it's about the fit. It's about the relevance to a job. It's not about in absolute terms who's better or worse because everyone is really good. It's just that what is what are they good fit for? So what are some of the other variables that you're evaluating that allow you to determine fit? So for each role, what we see is that who are the people who are successful in that role? What experiences they have had? What skills they have had before taking on a role? Whatever role you are interviewing for today, that role is going to change over time. We don't live in a static world, right? And especially in the world of AI and Google, one example I gave is that I am a terrible cook, but you give me recipe books, you give me this packaged stuff from Blue Apron, and I become a great cook. So key thing is that you have to evaluate not only what someone has done, but also what other resources are available. Gotcha. And then match them to the people who are already in that function and performing well. So on a technical side, what's interesting here is companies, you're talking about fit. Well, companies have cultures. I think that's really evident. You know, Apple, if you were to make product at Apple, I'm assuming it would have to be, you'd have to focus on design, functionality, and beauty. If you always to make a product at Amazon, I'm assuming it's going to be cheap, fast, and effective. Different companies have different cultures. Netflix, notorious culture for being very difficult on its employees where, you know, you're expected to rise to the best. Reed Hastings has give that famous talk, which was, if you have an A player and you can get an A plus player, you should give your A player a severance package so you can hire an A plus player. Like he, t- he talks about that, right? I paraphrased. So when you're building these data models, are you required to silo each company's data? Because you mentioned you're evaluating a billion, but each company also has its own culture. So it's like if you were, I'm assuming Eightfold's then evaluating at a company level, the people that are inside of it. So let's dig into your example a little bit more. Okay. There are only 2 million people in Bay Area who are professionals, roughly. Average tenure in Bay Area is two years. It's not that the people from Netflix will not find another job in the Bay Area. That's true. It's the same group of people who is moving across companies. That's true. Now, what you have to understand is that in certain teams at Apple, people from Amazon might be performing really, really well on the, let's say, supply chain side, right? On the design side, maybe the people from Disney are going to perform really well at Apple. On personalization, maybe people from Netflix are going to perform really well, right? So what you're trying to do is, I don't think companies are that different. People adopt and adjust very quickly to a culture, right? Okay. What you have to understand is that who is most likely to adopt, adjust to this company's culture quickly. Like one example is that, Facebook is a very product-led company, whereas Google used to be a very engineering-led company. Now, you have to see who, where is Google hiring from and who is performing well over there or not, right? In the early days, I saw many people going from Google to Facebook on the product side, but didn't perform well. 
for people from engineering when they went to facebook they performed really well so you have to really understand things at that level gotcha i mean no i, I don't know you might be the most advanced person in ai we've had on the show so i'm like my mind's being blown right now cuz i can't figure out like how you're doing this and i want to <laughs> but i wanted to read a little bit about what we learned about you. You have 6,000 research citations. You have 50 plus patents in AI and machine learning. You have 35 plus peer-reviewed research publications, and you, are, you have an outstanding PhD thesis award from uh, University of Illinois, all on machine learning. What is happening inside of algorithmically, like to, to, give, to give the tech leader some scale scope, you mentioned a billion people. How many variables are you then evaluating across a billion people inside your program? I mean, I can't share all the details, but at a high level, we are today analyzing hundreds and hundreds of features that we are extracting from each profile and using that to build model. I will give you two ways to think about this problem. Let's say tomorrow someone comes to you, Albert, right? Mm -hmm. And your niece, nephew, friend, asking you for a career advice. Should I join this company or not? Well, I have no idea. I mean, or you will take the data point of 5, 10, 20 people that you might know and give advice based on that, right? Yeah. Largely speaking. Yeah. Now with AI, what we are able to do is use the data of a billion people to better understand that, scale it out, right? To me, that is the beauty going on over here. The second part is, they are, let's say you are extremely familiar with a certain company, right? In that case, like in my case, for example, when I was at Google, right? I was in the search quality team. And from that, I know what skills people have in that team, right? Next time, when I meet an individual from that team, I already know, even before that person tells me anything, what skills they are likely to have. So as an example, if you are from the search quality team at Google, you probably know information retrieval really well. If you are from the data warehousing at Amazon, probably you know supply chain really well, right? So what we are able to do is not only build deep understanding of each person, but deep understanding of each role as well. And these two things play hand in hand. And for understanding each of these things, what we have to do is we have to extract hundreds of features in a time series fashion. What skills you acquired four years back? What skills you acquired two years back? What skills you acquired eight years back? Some of the skills that you acquired eight years back might be now a lot more rusty, whereas the skills you acquired two years back might be a lot more fresh. If you acquired skills which are very similar over these eight years, then probably you have gone deeper. Versus if you acquired very different experiences, you have gone broader which shows different level of learnability in you, right? And curiosity. So we are looking at all those things to better understand what you can quickly acquire next. No, that's awesome. I wasn't even thinking about time and how recent something was learned that obviously is, is very relevant. What you learn long ago versus what you know, what you learned one year ago, I 100% see how that makes an impact on how you evaluate. What are some of the things that the, the algorithm or I don't know, what, what do you call it? Do you call it an algorithm that Eightfold is producing? Or yep. So what are, some of the, what are some of the features maybe that the algorithm has uncovered 
even in its very infancy where you were surprised by it. Was anything shocking to you? Was anything surprising? Uh, maybe anything that went against common belief systems that was surprising for you or said, hey, this is finding things that most people wouldn't have otherwise identified. I think I would say more than surprising, showing the art of possibility. So here is one example. Everyone is talking about diversity, right? Yeah. How can we have more women in STEM, right? Now, the simple thing about that is if I keep looking for women who have done the work, right? What I'm hiding for, then I'm never going to solve diversity. I have to look for people who can do the work but may not have done the work, right? To solve any diversity, right? Mm -hmm. Second thing is that here's a very interesting example that our system is able to honor. By looking at everyone, like these billion of people, billions of people, we are able to understand everyone's career trajectory. And even from outside, identify who is growing fast in their career in an organization compared to their peer group. So as a result, even though you may not have gone to a top school, but if you're performing really well in a company, you should be able to get the opportunities that you deserve. And we are able to unlock and unearth that. So this, this information, I feel like it has many, many use cases for even out, let's say outside of these companies, you know, like job boards or do you envision a place in the future where consumers or job seekers can go to Eightfold AI and just enter in their details where it then just says, oh, you're really good for X, Y, and Z. And here's companies one, two, and three that would you'd be a great fit at. Is that like the future plan? I feel like this is very useful. You know, I'm just sitting here comprehending what you have developed here. And I feel like it would be useful to me as a, on a consumer level. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, you are spot on on that. And I'm glad you brought it up because just today there's an article published by Fortune talking about Eightfold winning the Veterans Challenge. So today's a Veterans Day, right? right? So let me talk about veterans. Last November, Department of Labor started a competition with a million dollar prize. And the idea was to pick the best AI matching solution to match veterans, transitioning service members to job opportunities. And on one hand, you have the most well-trained workforce in the world, right? Mm -hmm. US Armed Forces. On the other hand, if you do the simple keyword-based matching that happens at job boards today, right? You can't find good jobs for them. Yeah. Or they cannot find good jobs. Yeah. But, and guess what? There are 20 million veterans in US 10 million veterans in US workforce today. So can we learn from those? Can we learn from those individual examples where these veterans have succeeded in their life, in their career, and then apply that learning to everyone else in the armed forces, right? So we are already doing it over there, actually. And we want to do more. That's awesome. There you go, putting people to work. Well, I, I mean, I love, I love the entire concept of it because this whole idea of your algorithm is you want to unlock, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, right? But you want to unlock potential. Whereas if you only go up, like you just said, if you only go off my resume, well, I would have none of the keywords that you're looking for in your job requisition. Absolutely. One example we give is of Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah. He wrote his resume 500 years back. 
where he described himself as a defense contractor. Did he really? Yeah. <laughs> <If you're, laughs> we have a copy from Vatican office original resume. Happy to send it to you. I feel like that needs to be posted uh, in all your sales material, right? Like Leonardo da Vinci didn't even know what he was good at. Like, why would you, why would you want to hire people based on what they assume that they're best at? When in reality, he's obviously an engineer, a scientist, and a and an artisan. The genius. Yeah, the guy that was engineering potentially the modern helicopter while <laughs> while painting <laughs> timeless works of art that are priceless. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So there's another aspect of your career that's really fascinating to me is that you came from a company called Bloomreach. Now Bloomreach, I was in the e-commerce space prior to coming to Mission and we worked with customers that had Bloomreach. So I understood what Bloomreach was all about. And based on your LinkedIn, it looks like you were at Bloomreach for over 11 years, but Bloomreach is also a very successful company. It's got close to 400 plus employees and growing, I'm assuming. Yep. What did you see that made you say, hey, I want to step away from something I already created to do Eightfold? Or maybe maybe I'm wrong. Have you not stepped away from Bloomreach? I want to know what it was you saw that said, hey, I want to do this. Basically realizing how important employment is for our society. I mean, I was at Google, prior to that IBM, then Bloomreach, right? Mm -hmm. You are in the heart of Silicon Valley. And when you reflect back, you realize how lucky we are, right? Probably the best place in the world with all the resources available to us. So it was very clear that let's do something for the greater good of society. I started by looking at education and healthcare, but very quickly realized is that actually employment is my calling. Because if I can help people get the right employment, I can have a huge impact on the society. Second is it is a large market. And third is it is a fundamentally a data problem, which is completely broken. So that is what led me to start Eightfold. Now, of course, other part which is interesting and relevant over here is today as an enterprise, right, companies, except for very few companies and for very few roles, they really don't even think about succession planning. And one thing that worked out really well for me at Bloomreach was that I had a great succession plan in place. So I had my VP engineering and VP product who were doing a phenomenal job. So at some level, I was able to put myself out of the job over there saying that those people are there, so I'm not really needed. I can stick around and keep doing as well, right? Or I can try to have my share of impact on the society through employment. And that led me to leave Bloomreach to start Eightfold. Gotcha. When you when you first made that decision, what did the other the board, the other leadership members at Bloomreach did they were they taken aback or were like, oh yeah, this Ashutosh knows something that we, we you know that he he's gonna he's gonna it's gonna be transformative. The funny thing is that if they don't try to keep you, then also you feel bad, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It feels good to be wanted, no doubt. Uh, so. My current, my first investor at Eightfold is also the board member and second investor at Eight, uh, Bloomreach. So we share the same set of investors from in the early days. So while people were taken back a little bit, but they realized what I want to do and what kind of an impact it can have. And the fact that Bloomreach is in a great place, it made the transition very easy. And in fact, all of them joined us, right? And now we do have few people who, when they left Bloomreach, have come and joined me at Eightfold. 
No, that's that's awesome. I mean, there you go. The powers in which you, they believed in you right out the gate if they're investing in your ability to figure this out. The first day you started, though, let's say the first year, or not the first day you started, but I guess one of the things that's interesting about technical companies is usually they learn quite a bit about themselves through that first wave of customers. Well, unfortunately, through failure a lot of times, right? Where you install it for a customer and it just doesn't work as you wanted it to. You know, and we do hear stories of it coming right out the gate working. What were some surprising things that you discovered on that first initial wave of customers for Eightfold that you realized you had to adjust inside of your code base to make sure that these problems didn't reoccur? Numerous. <laughs> it's always the case, right? It's like, dang it, it didn't work. And I think one I would say is that not just about the customers, about the company product, about yourself as well. I mean, I was an engineer, CTO at Bloomreach. I was not the business person. I was not the CEO, right? Right. So you even learn about how you should be thinking about building the team, how you should think about going to the market, right? Building the business, listening, listening to the customers, right? Very first thing, I think the biggest mistake that as an engineer, sometimes people make is thinking that, let me just build a good product and everything else will fall in place. Right. Or if... I, Sometimes there's this thing in Silicon Valley about the product market fit, right? Yeah. Oh, if you have a good product, you will have a product market fit, otherwise not, right? But it's not, in our case, right? Is hiring a challenge? Yes, that is universally well-known. Is retention a problem in enterprises? Yes, universally well-known, right? So there was no, nothing surprising over there. But then it is not about us, it is about the customer, right? So when in the beginning you were talking to me about like, Am I trying to find the best engineers or I'm trying to find the right fit? That is an example where very early, as you're talking to the customers, we realize that we really need to focus on the fit versus just the best engineer, right? As one example. Very quickly, we realize as you're talking with enterprises is that how important diversity is. Other thing was, our first instinct was, let's build a point solution. What one conventional wisdom in Silicon Valley is that build a, Solve a narrow, a small problem, do it really, really well, and then world will come to you. Now, the challenge is that in talent space, that does not work. You have to really think about the problem holistically because your talent acquisition challenges stem from the fact that you can't retain your talent. Sometimes in Silicon Valley, other mistakes that we end up making, or we, in fact, even we made at our end, right, was... Let me sell to my friends and their companies in Bay Area. But then the rest of the world is very, very different. While in Bay Area, Google, Uber, Facebook are growing very aggressively year over year, right? 90% or 99% of the company in the world don't grow that fast. Mm -hmm. The talent challenges they run into are very, very different. So what was important was to keep listening to the customers. Here's a very interesting, simple example. I'm sure you have lot, heard a lot about employee referral programs, right? Companies have these. Employee referral programs? Yes, to hire people. Yep, we had a $2,000 award, reward. I called it a bounty. Uh, <laughs> reward for anyone who could bring in good reps, for sure. In Bay Area, in a startup world, the challenge is that how do you get more referrals? Once you become a large company, established company, the challenge is that how do you manage referrals, not how do you get more referrals. So there were those kind of things that we discovered and unearthed as we went to the market. 
I need to stay focused. You keep your heads down. You keep improving. Keep iterating on a daily basis, right? So that's what we did. So was that another data point? That so one of the things that the promise of machine learning, right, is that it continuously itself or AI continuously new variables get introduced. It figures it out. It doesn't require a programmer to tell the algorithm what the variable's impact should be. What are some of like the new things that are start you're starting to see that impact? how a person is evaluated and the reason and I'm getting to my question next which is I want I'm curious about that because I believe there's a new wave of potential candidates that covid has created right meaning candidates I mean people that have been displaced for work that might not fit all the traditional like you said keyword searches they're not going to you know like if I've been a small business owner or something like that I'm curious how how often I guess new variables are introduced to the formula and then I'm also curious what you think that's going to mean for this next wave of candidates looking for work? Absolutely. So there are two parts. First is actually a little bit going back to your previous question. The way we look at it, there are three pillars. One is the AI data science, right? That we bring. Uh-huh. Second is the integrations. How do you get more data into our system? And a huge focus on that. And third is ultimately we have to build workflows experiences for our customers so that they can get value out of what we are doing. Right. AI by itself is not enough for that. It has to be combined with the right workflows. So focus on all three. Now on the AI front, right? One example is before we came to the market or even when we came to the market, everyone was talking about, right? What is the skill graph? How many skills you have in your ontology, right? But the thing is that new skills are constantly coming to the market. Right. So you can't have a concept of fixed set of skills. Every day, new things are getting discovered. People are learning new things. They're coming up with new concepts. So to your point, the way we ended up building the system that it is constantly learning. So we don't have a concept of fixed skills ontology. It is constantly evolving and we call it a calibration matrix. Uh, capability metrics, right? Something that is learning, evolving, growing with data as an example, right? What happened with COVID especially, which was interesting is that what we saw, people are not only trying to get into new jobs, they are going to, they are trying to get into new industries. New industries. Yeah. So for example, hospitality yeah. is in a bad shape. That's right. Whereas retail, especially on the grocery side is flourishing, Right. How can you map people across industries, across careers? That became even more important post-COVID or during COVID. And what have you discovered? So I think the, the nice thing is that because we work with the global data of so many people, right? And because we focus a lot on the potential, like you could have said that, Ashu, right? All that is good, but I can just work with the skills on the resume. And why is that not good enough, right? You could have never done that mapping people across industries if you were just focused on the resume. That's right. So I say startups are a lot about luck, right? You have a thesis. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it does not, right? Our thesis was that we need to focus on people's potential, try to understand what they can do next, not what they have done. And that has become extremely critical in today's time. So I agree. And that's the reason why I asked you this question is because, you know, so many people are being displaced. You mentioned before hospitality travel industry a lot the, a lot of those people are being displaced if you worked in airlines you've been you've been displaced movie theaters so on 
And then we have, so there's a wave of workers, small business operators, you know, their way of life has changed and they're looking at, like you said, cross industries. What is something, you know, I think this is very hopeful what you're talking about. You also mentioned before you're working with Department of Labor to help veterans find uh, employment, finding their best fit based on their training. So like what I'm getting at is for someone who has no experience with Eightfold, for someone who has no experience with recruiting successfully outside or across industries. What are some of the things anecdotally that you've, that you've helped uncover where maybe you could share an example of a person, what they did before, where your algorithm figured out they had skills and strengths in and potential fit, and what are they doing now? I think for the audience to hear these stories of where someone has come from to where they are today and how your tool helped bridge that gap. That way they can challenge themselves and ask themselves, would they have hired that same person? Because maybe they wouldn't have because they would have been stuck in the old way of resume matching, right? Like looking at someone's resume and saying, oh, you were, uh, you know, a, a clerk at an airline. I don't know how that works for me in tech. You know, I don't know what that means. I'd love for you to share that story because I think it might open some people's eyes as to how tools like yours can help solve the employment problem. Absolutely. So here are two examples, right? One is... We have seen that people who are working in financial services industry with quant experience, they typically are great fit for data science role in tech industry. Really? Yeah. Because some of the foundational learnings they have around mathematics is same. The second one, which is maybe even more surprising, is quite a few times veterans perform really well as HR professionals. Because you learn, I mean, as a veteran, right, there's a huge focus on people, mm-hmm. personal management, right? So you have that understand, understanding of people. You know how to follow processes, execute on that stuff, right? And many of those skills are the same that are required to be successful as a HR leader. Yeah, it makes sense. So th- these kind of things we keep discovering on a daily basis. No, I can see how someone who has access to information like this has a leg up in recruiting or talent placement. Simply because, you know, if I think about hiring people recently, you know, even for Mission, we hire people because we're a podcasting company. We're looking for people who have audio engineering experience, mixing experience, you know, because those are the things that we need. So it's, it's interesting to hear how maybe, you know, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's a fact. We probably missed really great candidates just because their resume didn't look the way we thought it should look. You have a new customer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So let me ask that. I guess that's the next thing on the docket, which is, you know, we talked earlier in the conversation about this tool seems to be supremely useful for people on the individual level. Is Eightfold, is that part of Eightfold's like, you know, I mentioned it was your ultimate vision, but is it on your roadmap? Is it there anytime soon? Is it going to be available to individuals or does it still need time to develop inside of organizations before it can get to the point where you can offer it at a, at a price point that a, an individual can take advantage of. So in the beginning, I mentioned that our mission as a company is to enable the right career for everyone in the world. And we thought a lot about choosing those words, right? Mm-hmm. And three phrases over there are right career, everyone, and the world. And the reason is we want to solve it for individuals, right? We want to solve it for individuals, no matter where they are in what part of the world, whether they can afford it or not, right? We need to be able to solve it for them. So that is definitely in our roadmap. I think we still need a little bit more work, more iteration before it is ready for that prime time. 
but we are going to do it soon. Oh, I love it. You're going to, if it makes it to the, I mean, it's going to be, tra- it, it would be transformative. Absolutely. For everyone. If they could really demonstrate the value of who they were without writing, like you suggested the perfect resume, <laughs> right? Because right now the only way you get seen is if you may, I don't know, hire, I mean, there's a whole industry of people that write resumes for people just to, so they could trip up the keyword like, or get hit the keyword so that they have a chance of landing an interview. That is correct. That is correct. Disrupting that industry would be, I mean, I'm, unfortunately for them, it's, it's, it's going to be a good thing for individuals that, you know, maybe they just don't have access to that resource or they're just not good at writing a resume. Or like you said, they just haven't identified their own skills like uh, Da Vinci, where they think of themselves as a defense contractor, not as something else. And I think I think of many of these things as less about disrupting an existing job, but it is more around giving everyone an opportunity to grow and develop. Wow. What more can you ask for? Ashutosh, the next step for us is to go into the lightning round. Okay. (laughs) The lightning round is brought to you by the Salesforce platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. This is where we ask you questions so that people can learn more about you on a personal level away from work. You ready? Sounds good. All right. If you weren't using AI to figure out HR, what's the next best thing AI can be used for? Healthcare. Healthcare. Couldn't agree more. What would you say is the best advice for someone who uses the platform, your platform? Look for people beyond what they have just said in a piece of paper. People have a lot more potential and capabilities. Let's not ignore them. Let's give them opportunities and you will be surprised what people can do. I love it. That, I mean, that's beyond, that's beyond your platform, right? That's actually for anyone who, who's out there working with others. Yeah. What is your favorite part about living in California? You can dream big and people come and support you as you're building your dreams. No doubt about it. How about, have you picked up any new hobbies or habits this year now that we're in COVID shutdown? I have two young kids and I'm able to spend a lot more time with them because I'm working from home. So excited about that. Awesome. I have children myself. How old are your children? Three and a half and seven. Three and a half and seven. Will you be mad at them if they don't patent anything like you? They need to live their own life. They can live their own life. Good. Because, I mean, dad right now is setting a bar. Oh, that bar is high. So, (laughs) So happiness in life is more important than any of these things. (laughs) Well said. Well said. So, you went from a technical co founder, you kind of mentioned that before, to a CEO. You mentioned some of the pains that you encountered because you had not done that role before. What's your best advice for a first time CEO? Go talk to other people and keep learning. Don't take a status quo for an answer. So there are enough people in Bay Area who can help you mentor. So find two mentors and they'll help you grow. There you go. You don't have to have all the answers. You can find mentors to help you out. Ashutosh, I appreciate you coming on the show today, sharing your vision for helping everyone in the world find work. I think what you're doing, if it works out, is obviously going to be transformative for everybody. It's awesome to hear what you've done for the veteran community on Veterans Day, no less. What a coincidence. That's, that's awesome. Exactly. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for keeping the pressure off your kids because that's great. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Albert, for doing this podcast. Really excited. Very enjoyed the conversation very much. We enjoyed having you. Thank you. 
IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform.